Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry, presents the Cavalcade of America, starring Donald Crisp and Robert Preston. Tonight's DuPont Cavalcade is called The King of Nantucket and stars Robert Preston as Peter Folger and Donald Crisp as Tristram Coffin. This is a day in summer, and one of the loveliest spots in the world to visit upon a summer's day is Sankety Head on the island of Nantucket, some 30 miles off the New England coast. We're there now in the company of two summer visitors and their guide, a gentleman we shall call Mr. Gardner Coffin. They've paused to admire the view from the headland near the lighthouse. Uh, yeah, it was worth the long walk, Mr. Coffin, even on so hot a day. Beautiful, just beautiful. What a delicious breeze. What we call a dry nor'easter, Miss Jones. It ain't a bad day, not bad at all. It's so clean and so peaceful. After New York, well... Yes, I can imagine it was even more peaceful in the early days when the first settlers came. Nantucket must have been truly a paradise then, hmm? Why, not hardly. Huh? Not hardly. No, the island was mighty nice in the summertime then as now. But there was... Trouble in paradise, as you might say. Oh. Conflict. Civil strife. On the edge of civil war, in a way. Oh, dear. Why men must quarrel, even in this quiet island? Well, there was a just cause involved, Miss Jones. Here, a few years after the settlement, what may have been the New World's first battle against dictatorship was fought to a finish. Yeah, and two of my ancestors was involved on opposite sides. Let's just sit here and watch the waves roll in and have our nice picnic lunch while you tell us all about it. Yes, yes, gladly, Miss Jones. good, I'm hungry. Don't upset the basket there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the villain, I'm afraid, he bore my own surname. Old Tristram Coffin, he was. The first of the Nantuffet Coffins and the island's chief magistrate. Old Father Tristram, he come here in 1661. By the mid-70s, he was... (laughs) He was ruling the roost. I guess he let power go to his head. Because on islands, as elsewhere, that often happens. The next prisoner, Master Poger. The Indian, Philip Cumis. Well, well, what man's complaint? Upon your own, Master Coffin. For... Uh, let's see, for lying and other rude carriages. Oh, yes, yes, as I recall, last August. The dark brute dared to complain I cheated him in a matter of corn. The Indian Philip Cumis will be set in the stock two hours next training day and will be whipped 20 stripes upon the naked body. John Aylwhite, stand forth. He's offense, clerk. It is charged he stole from Peter Coffin... Three pails of strong beer and a pannikin of rum. I remember well. He broke into the stores of my cousin. Let him be bound to the service of said Peter Coffin 
as the slave of said Peter for the whole of six years, and let him be whipped twenty stripes. Master Coffin, there's the woman, Patience Thomas. Let her stand forth. Master Coffin, the woman is, all, is ill. She can barely stand. Patience, hear your sentence. I must protest. She cannot speak. Patience has no need for words. She has sinned. Therefore, let her be placed in the public stocks and let her be whipped. Let the Indian Kesasumi. Let him receive 30 strokes. Let him be whipped. Let them all be whipped. Whosoever shall carry away in his vessel any Indian slave off this island, let him be whipped. 40 strokes. 50 strokes. Whip them, I say. 50 strokes upon the naked body. No. It wasn't hardly a paradise then, this island. You see, Nantucket was under the rule of the royal governor in New York. And New York was a long journey by land and sea from Nantucket in 1670. Well, there was two men that challenged the rule of Tristram Coffin. One was Captain John Gardner, my mother's many times great-grandfather and a fisherman for cod. The other was Peter Folger, surveyor, miller, Indian interpreter and clerk of the court. Folger. Folger, that name is familiar. Boston folk, aren't they? The Folger strain may be Nantucket's proudest blood. Well, this Folger, he had a daughter who one day was to bear a son named Benjamin Franklin. Oh, oh really? Well, this Peter Folger, Ben Franklin's grandfather, mind you, he and Captain John Gardner, the two of them, they joined forces. That would be pretty near 300 years ago. Peter, man, I can't see how you stand it. That crazy old man and his eternal whip. If I were to leave my post as clerk, Captain, I'd leave the land records at the old man's mercy. No man's holding would be safe. Coffin and the first comers would seize everything. This I know. Unless we rid ourselves of this, this king of Nantucket. Mm. Half the Englishmen of the place will end as slaves, and all the Indians... I know, Peter, I know. Peter, you were ever a man for working things out. What shall we do? There are only two courses, Captain. Open war or a more subtle way. Then I'm for open war. Against all the coffins and all the hussies? Against the Mayhews and the Starbucks? Against the clan of Swain and the Barnards and the Weirs? A coffin can bleed like any pig. The fishermen and the tradesmen are on our side. The Indians would be with us. You alone can speak that tongue. They know you for their true friend. Poor children. How we have cousined them and addled their wits with fine words and harsh waters. Yes, they'd listen to my words, Captain. But Peter Coffin's rum would win them in the end. Among the Englishmen, the numbers are almost even. I'd chance an armed rebellion. The numbers are even. But the gunpowder is not. What shall we do, then? Wait till the old man uses the lash on your hide and mine? No, no, I said there's another way. Eh? A peaceful way. Now, look you. Our magistrates are chosen by the royal governor on recommendation by our own town meeting. Shall we go to New York then and beseech the governor for help on our knees? Not on our knees. As the elected representatives of all the people of Nantucket, let them choose us to represent the island before Governor Andrews. But how? Once old Trist got wind of our purpose, you know the pressures he could bring to bear. You know how these people tremble? 
How he buys their allegiance? Coffin need not know before the event. But Peter, how? Let's talk, Captain, but quietly. Let's put down all the names. Then go to each man quietly and reason with each. Each one alone. But quietly, always quietly. Let's see what reason can do, Captain. Let's try reason first. This meeting will now be in order. It is but a formality, no more. But I shall ask the clerk to read the violent seditious motion, which has been offered as an affront to duly constituted authority by Captain John Gardner. Good. Whereas certain loyal subjects of His Majesty have entered complaints against the manner in which His Majesty's chief representative upon the island of Nantucket doth discharge the duties of his office... Enough, enough. Call for a vote. But, Master Coffin, I've not yet read the motion. Say, rather, you have not yet uttered the treason. Call for a vote, Master Clerk. I do as I am bid. Let those in favor speak out. And those who are opposed? Nonsense. This is unthinkable. It's, uh, it, it's blasphemous. Call again for those opposed. It appears the matter is decided. Captain John Gardner and Peter Folger are instructed to seek audience with Governor Andrus at New York. I say call again for those opposed. Let them stand up. Let me see which are my friends. Those who desire to enter a dissent will please rise. Hmm. John Swain, Richard Swain, John Coffin, Stephen Coffin, Nathaniel Starbuck, Nathaniel Weir, and to be sure, Master Tristram Coffin. Seven in all. Clearly there are but few who dissent. Captain Gardner. Ready, Peter. Ready and waiting. My sloop is provisioned. The tide is high. The bar is fathoms deep. Then the meeting is adjourned. Let us be off, Captain, to New York. But old Coffin, he didn't give in easy like. No, sir, he Bob. He ups and calls a rump meeting. Gets himself sent to New York. Well, sir... The two boats, they raced all the way down the sound to Hellgate. And Coffin's boat won out. Both of them put it up to the governor, not more than a day apart. <laughs> I should think the governor must have been somewhat puzzled, huh? Oh, I reckon he was, yes. <laughs> Couldn't make up his mind who was right. So he says, uh, he says, hold on, boys, I'll take this matter under advisement. Hmm. Well, when everybody got back home again, Coffin and Mayhew, they put their heads together. That we shall be justified, I have no doubt. But how long must we wait upon the governor's action? Not a day, Master Mehu. Not an hour. Two can play at this confounded game of counting heads. But surely they still hold all the cards. Surely they still outnumber us. Today, yes. Tomorrow? <laughs> Who knows? In New York... I had news of our neighbors on the mainland. There's yes. been an Indian uprising all along the coast. Well, Under the red devil who calls himself Filino. King Philip? King Philip, if you will. King Beelzebub. What has this to do with our troubles here? Well, mark you. Hundreds of our kinsmen on the mainland are homeless. Are they not? Yes. But their cabins burned, their crops destroyed. Should we not rescue them from the ferocity of the savage? And the icy rigors of the winter? Yeah, but should we not as uh, Christians and Englishmen 
offer them shelter and peace here in our island home. Which would cost good money, master. No, I thank you. You'll not use my sloop in such silly work. Oh, you fool. Don't you see my purpose? Votes have been bought as long as votes have been worth buying. If we bring ten, twenty families out of Felina's reach, will the heads of those families refuse to support our cause in meeting? Ah, I see, I see. <laughs> Why, to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> to be sure, indeed. It will hardly be necessary for us to wait upon the governor's decision. Hardly. <laughs> Clerk will call for a vote. All those in favor of the resolution submitted by Thomas Mayhew. Aye. All those who dissent. Aye. The ayes have it. By heaven, the ayes have it. <laughs> Master Clerk, you will read the resolution once more. It pleasures my ears. And if I refuse? Why, then you are no longer clerk of this town. Aye. Very well. Whereas Captain John Gardner and Clerk Peter Folger were chosen to go to New York to negotiate about some public concerns of the island, the town doth now revoke the orders aforesaid and do forbid the said Captain Gardner and Peter Folger to meddle at all henceforward in any of the town's concerns under any color or pretense whatsoever. Quiet, quiet. There's more to come. Peter Coffin, having been duly elected assistant magistrate by this meeting, he is commanded to take and seize the records of the town from the keeping of Peter Folger and deliver them to the chief magistrate. Folger, where are the books? At my home, hidden away. And if your cousin attempts to pass my door, I shall defend that portal with my life. <laughs> if you resist, Folger, and I hope you do resist, you will be seized and confined in jail. And you shall be whipped, Folger. Oh, most assuredly, you shall be whipped. You are listening to the DuPont Cavalcade of America, starring Donald Crisp and Robert Preston. Sponsored by the DuPont Company, makers of better things for better living through chemistry. We return to our story of early days in Nantucket and of an early American resistance to tyranny with Donald Crisp as the King of Nantucket and Robert Preston as Peter Folger, his mortal enemy. The picnic party on Sankety Head listens to the tale of long ago. And so Peter Folger was seized, having refused to hand over the land records or to reveal the hiding place. And was he whipped? No, no, old Tristram Coffin, he stopped short of that, since Folger was mighty popular. But Coffin took it out on the clerk in other ways. As Peter Folger wrote to a friend, I was prisoned in a place where never any Englishman was put. And where the neighbor's hogs had lain but the night before and in the bitter frost and deep snow. And they left me without victuals or fire. Though some friend did presently bring bedding for me. And with Folger out of the way, old Tristram, 
he moved against his other enemies. Captain John Gardner, stand forward. <laughs> ah, Captain Gardner. <laughs> Whereas we must maintain His Majesty's authority, especially with the Indians among whom it is vulgarly rumored that there is no government on Nantucket. Say no justice, rather. Silence, Captain Gardner. Now then. And whereas this court has good cause to suspect that these rumors do proceed from one John Gardner called Captain, who instigates them to the great danger of causing insurrection. You may well fear for your scalp, old man, and for your lying tongue. Look to your ancient head. Control your words, Captain. You behave like a delinquent. I know my business. It may be that some of those who have meddled with Peter Folger and me had better have eaten fire. I should say it are you that is a fire-eater, Captain. May I proceed? Can I stop you with these irons on me? <laughs> no, sir. No, you cannot. No. We do therefore order that Captain John Gardner shall pay a fine of 20 pounds in money or the equivalent in goods to this court. And he is disenfranchised from this day forth. I'll pay no fine to this court. <laughs> Not willingly, Captain. We never expected that. Oh, no. But your cattle will be seized by this court and sold. And you shall join your canting friend Folger in his chosen chamber, where lately other swine did root and wallow. Take your hands. From hold me. him fast, Constable. Hold him fast. And take him away. Master Coffin. Master Coffin. Where? Well, Tom? Terrible news, sir. A messenger from Governor Andros. It... Well, not here, you fool. Not here. Come, let us make ourselves more private. Uh, the court is dismissed. So the governor appears to have unwound all our winding, eh? Appears. He has done so in all fact. Each fine and disenfranchisement against Folger and the captain are, it says, null and void. Mm. A town election is to be held. Yes, this annoys me greatly. Somehow the wretches must have sent word to New York. But what, what shall we do? What, what shall we do? Oh, stop your sickly mewling. New York's far off. All affairs are much distracted by the Indian wars. Lately, it was said the governor might soon be replaced. Very well. We'll play for time. And time's in our favor. Yes. Time is in our favor. Well, Peter. John, welcome, good friend. Welcome to my sty and to my trough. <laughs> I've sweetened these quarters a bit since first I took up residence here. There's a prison. It's not overly distasteful, save for the breezes that blow through the walls. <laughs> and the company is better than that I have but just now left behind me. <laughs> you seem cheerful enough for a man in such a strait. Cheerful I am. And cheerful you'll be, Peter, when you'll hear the news. News of what? A royal courier arrived today with a message from Governor Andros. Oh? Old Coffin doesn't know it. But the courier came first to me, and then to Master Mayhew. As I was hauled away to this... this withdrawing room, Mayhew came flying to Coffin, his eyes a goggle. And the message? They are undone, Peter. And we are upheld in everything. Well. Uh... Coffin will ignore the message, play for time. He's gone this far, he can't stop now. He's too old to stop. If he delays and hides the news, we'll cry havoc, raise the Indians and take the island. The king's word is on our side. No, 
news of the governor's stand will seep out. And when the word is out, those who tremble at Coffin's frown and creep for his favors, they'll begin to wonder. Mm, let me think. Mm, thinking was ever your trade, Peter. I'd rather fight or fish for cod. Well, the cod you take with hooks and patience. Mm. Be patient now, my friend, that we may not let loose a force we can't abide. With the Indians, we could win. But these red children are an inch more childish than their present masters. We'd have to fight them in the end, the Indians. Ah, there'd be no more fishing for cod. No more days in the sun. Peter, if I'd not known you all these years, I'd take you for a craven, a coward. No. Just a clerk. Ever a scribbling clerk. And one who wonders ever at the madness of children and warriors and the, the, the ways of power. John. Your brother Richard now, and Sarah, his wife. Uh, what of them? Let them be our mouth to speak truth. They will come to see you, and even Coffin's creature out there won't bow their way. Let them spread the word of the governor's decree. And at the next election, when all the people of Nantucket know... At the next election? Yes, John. At the next election. I guess I told you that Peter Folger was Benjamin Franklin's Nantucket grandfather, didn't I? Yes. Yes, yes, you did. Yeah, I told you that. Well, sir, the great Ben himself, he couldn't have given better advice than Peter did. You see, when Gardner's wife and brother started to talk, Coffin, he tried to shut him up with fines and threats. Mm -hmm. But that just made the people mad. And when Gardner and Folger had served their time, and election day come around... Uh, well, uh, uh, all, all the votes are counted, then? The votes are counted, Master Coffin. And, uh, uh, and the result? There are 106 votes for Captain John Gardner and Master Richard Gardner, commanding their names to be submitted to the Royal Governor as candidates for Chief Magistrate upon the island of Nantucket. There is one vote for Master Tristram Coffin. Uh, one vote? One vote? Only one vote? Your own vote, Master Coffin? I'll have you whipped, Folger. I'll have you whipped. Oh, I think not. Tom. Tom Mahu. Master Mayhew has found occasion to visit New Bedford on business. Who will help me now? Swain. Queer. Starbuck. Where are all the Starbucks? They too have business. Off-island business. Where is everyone? Come, come, Master Coffin. I'll see you to your home. The wives of your sons will care for you. Where is everyone? Why have they gone away? And where have they gone? To the tavern. The spectacle of fallen power draws a meager audience. <laughs> I'll have them whipped. I say I'll have them... Am I so old? So very old? There. There, be quiet now. I'll see you safely home. Uh, I'm old. <laughs> I'm oh, old now. Come with me, Tristram, come. Take your hands off me. I can still walk alone. Well, that's the story. 
And you see, I finished before sundown. There was no more fighting? Oh, there's always more fighting, Miss Jones. But I tell you, we Nantucketers, we turned pretty soon from fighting each other to fighting whales all over the seven seas to fill our purses. And when the whales give out, well, for the same reason... You turn to the summer visitors. I guess that's right, yes. Couldn't do without them. My, just look at that sun back there. Who ever saw such a sunset? Old Tristram did. Yeah. So did many another coffin. Many another folger. Not to mention the Starbucks and the Macy's. Yes, sir. A thousand captains of a thousand ships beating into the winds that blow around Cape Horn. They've wished that they might stand again where we're standing now and see the sun go down in a glory that's peculiar to Nantucket. Well, I'm kind of talking like a sunset myself. Shall we go now? Thanks to Robert Preston and Donald Crisp and the Cavalcade players for tonight's story. Next week, the DuPont Cavalcade will tell you an interesting story about a reluctant pioneer, a lazy man who, in spite of himself, invented a machine that revolutionized American business. Our stars are June Havoc and Jeffrey Lynn, and the story is called The Reluctant Pioneer. Be sure to listen. Tonight's DuPont Cavalcade was written by George H. Faulkner. Our storyteller was Parker Fennelly. Mr. Jones was Les Damon. Mrs. Jones was Raleigh Bester. Captain Gardner was Stotts Cotsworth. And Mayhew was Court Benson. Music was composed by Arden Cornwell and conducted by Donald Voorhees. The program was directed by John Zoller. This is Cy Harris speaking. Don't forget next week... June Havoc and Jeffrey Lynn in The Reluctant Pioneer. The DuPont Cavalcade of America comes to you from the Velasco Theater in New York and is sponsored by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry.